The following audio is from Two Pillars Church, a gospel-centered, missionally-focused church located in Lincoln, Nebraska. More information about Two Pillars Church can be found at www.twopillarschurch.com. Hey, I want you to think with me for a few minutes about uh, two nights, and I want you to get them not just into your head. I actually want you to get these two nights into your heart. I want you to get them down into your soul, if you can. Night number one, Luke chapter two, the birth of Jesus. I want you to picture yourself there in, in the passage that, that Pastor Ben read just a few minutes ago, out in the fields with the shepherds. Can you picture yourself there? It's, it's night, <laughs> it's, it's dark, it's, it's quiet, except for the, maybe the noises of the sheep. You know those sheep that make some noises, right? There's no light pollution. This is olden days, right? So uh, up in the stars, just brilliant, bright, shining stars everywhere. Maybe there's a little bite in the air, or, or maybe it's just perfect and calm. And while you're out there, minding your own business with the sheep, this angel appears to you, right? There you are, minding your own business, and here's this angel with bright, blinding light of the glory of the Lord now shining all around you. And you're, you freak out a little bit. You're afraid. You're filled with fear. But then you hear these words amongst No other sounds in the bleeding of the sheep unless that too was silenced when this glorious light shone forth, right? You hear these words spoken in a soft and gentle and reassuring voice. Fear not. Don't be afraid. For I bring you good news of great joy that's going to be for everyone. And then he says, here's how you're going to know. Go over to the city of David. And you're going to find a a baby there wrapped up like a little burrito lying in this feeding trough, right? Then, out there on that hill, you're out there just, just having seen what you've seen, just having heard what you've heard, and all of a sudden you see thousands upon thousands of angels filling the heavens. Praising God. I mean, can you imagine what that sounded like? Praising God and saying, glory to God on the highest. And on earth, peace among those with whom he is well pleased. I mean, this would have been an incredibly amazing night. So incredible, so amazing that it actually sounds like a fairy tale. But it wasn't. This really happened. This really happened. Can you picture yourself there? Can you picture yourself going from that hill over to Bethlehem then and finding Mary and finding Joseph and this baby lying in the manger? Reflecting, I'm sure you, as you would, on, on this phrase, good news of great joy for everyone. If you were there, you would have known, wouldn't you? The world is never going to be the same. I mean, you would be filled with so much joy, you're never going to be the same. The Savior had come. The Savior had come. Now, fast forward a couple thousand years, okay? And I want you to think, secondly now, another night, 
I want you to think about the worst day of your life from this past year. Maybe you lost a loved one. Maybe you lost your job. Maybe you were in an accident. Maybe it was the, the, the darkest day of a string of dark days of depression for you. Or maybe it was the day that you heard the diagnosis. You have it in your mind? I do. Thursday morning, February 4th, about 10 a.m., I got a phone call from my brother who said, Todd, I'm so sorry to tell you this, but Ryan is gone. One of my best friends from high school had taken his life the night before. And I remember that night, right, laying in bed. Do you remember trying to go to bed? Do you remember laying in bed the night of the worst day of your life this past year? It's weird. It's hard. It's, it's painful. And if there's one biblical word to sum it up, it would be groaning. Just groaning. That sigh of the soul that is sad, grieving, desperate, angry, confused, weary, weary of the brokenness of this world. I love Romans 8. Pastor Adam read it just a little bit ago. I love Romans 8 because it puts to words what we feel on the night of the worst day of our life. And not just then, but other days too, right? We groan. We groan. And the word of God says, yeah, that's going to happen. You're going to groan. Creation is growing. We're growing, Romans 8 says. Yet even Christian, those of us who have the first fruits of the Spirit, the Apostle Paul writes, we groan inwardly as we wait for the full and final adoption, the redemption of our bodies. I don't know about you, but I found myself groaning a little bit more than usual lately. Just groaning. I wonder if you can get these two nights into your head. Night one, an incredibly amazing night. Luke chapter two, out in the, out in the fields. And then night number two, uh, incredibly terrible night. Can you sense and, and remember what it's like? Again, not just with your head, in your heart. Now, I actually want us to think about a third night. The the night of what Revelation 19 calls the marriage supper of the Lamb. Craig just read about it. I was struck this week in in preparing for this evening that this too happens at night. You know, where I grew up, um, there's some confusion over the word dinner. I don't know if you guys experienced this. It causes a lot of confusion at Christmas time when you're talking about Christmas dinner. It's like, when are we going to eat? You know what I'm saying? So where I grew up, they call lunch dinner, but my actual life, we call supper dinner. Do you do this? So for me, we have lunch at noontime, dinner at evening time. But for my folks and everyone that they know, dinner is at noontime, okay? And supper is at evening time. It's super confusing. Dinner is a confusing word. But if we use, if, if we use the word supper, <laughs> everyone knows what we're talking about, even those of us who prefer to call it dinner, you know? Well, Revelation 19, <laughs> there's a supper. It's a supper. I looked it up in Greek. It means evening meal. So I might have been wrong this whole time. I don't know, right? But it's the marriage supper of the Lamb. And I want you to picture yourself there at night. That night. You'll be there one day if you belong to Jesus. I think this won't be a thought exercise. This will be our reality.
reality, if we belong to Jesus, we're going to be there. If you're here and you don't belong to Jesus, if you're not trusting in Jesus for salvation, you're not going to be invited. But listen, you can be. You can be. By faith. Trusting in Jesus for the forgiveness of your sins, confessing Jesus as Lord, that's the only way to secure a spot on the invite list. And I say that because showing up at a Christmas Eve service doesn't get you on the invite list. Only faith in Jesus gets you on the invite list. But listen, it's going to be an incredible night. You and I will sit at the table with Jesus in his actual, literal, perfect, glorious presence. We're going to sit at the table with him. I mean, can you picture yourself at that table on that night, picture yourself at the table with Jesus saying, hey, excuse me, Jesus, could you pass the wine? You picture yourself there in the presence of the great multitude that Revelation 19 talks about. Maybe it's the same multitude from Luke chapter 2. Hey, it's you guys again. Hearing them like the sound of the mighty peals of thunder crying out while we're trying to eat, right? Crying out, hallelujah. For the Lord, our our God Almighty, he reigns. Let us rejoice. Rejoice and exalt and give him the glory. It's going to be an incredibly amazing night. So incredible, so amazing, it almost sounds like a fairy tale again, but it isn't. This is really going to happen. We're going to be there. But what about now? <laughs> what, about the, what about all the time between nights one, out in the fields, and night three, at that marriage supper of the Lamb. What about all this time between the comings of Christ? What about the nights that we try and try to fall asleep or cry ourselves to sleep or feel guilty for going to sleep on the worst days of our life? What about all of our groaning? You know, each, each year... Each year at Christmas time, um, there's always a song or a line from a Christmas song that just kind of really grabs me and, and sticks with me. Does this happen to you? Last year for me, I don't know about you, but last year for me it was come now long expected Jesus. I mean, it's just like, seriously, come. That's it. Just come. Didn't even need the whole line. Just one word. Come. Well, this year, it's been this line from O Holy Night where we sing, the weary world rejoices. What a line. It's a line that's nearly 175 years old in its origin. The weary world rejoices. And what's grabbed me about this line is that the rejoicing part seems to capture the first and third nights that we were just picturing ourselves in. While the weary part seems to capture the second night, the now, the groaning. But what I'm learning for myself And contending for tonight is that nights one and three aren't all rejoicing void of weariness. And night two isn't all weariness void of rejoicing. Not for us as Christians. See, here's what every single one of us in this room tonight needs to hear. Is that weariness and rejoicing, all right, groaning and rejoicing can coexist. In fact, more often than not, they do. They do. See, that that song... Oh, holy night, it's about the night of what? 
our dear Savior's birth. Which happened in history, not after all the weariness and groaning had ceased. No, instead we sing, long lay the world in sin and error pining. I had no idea what the word pining meant. I had to look it up. You know what it means? Languishing. Wilting. Declining. We might say groaning. Until he appeared. Jesus. And the soul felt its worth. We see when that happened, when Jesus broke into the groaning world, a thrill of hope came. It was an incredibly amazing night. And the weary world rejoiced. Church, the world was weary and groaning right up to the night of our dear Savior's birth. And from that place of weariness, the world rejoiced. The weary world rejoiced. And if you read the rest of the New Testament, you know that at the marriage supper of the Lamb, listen, when Christ comes again, it again will be a weary world that rejoices. All of our problems and pains aren't going away until that day. But it's not just on night one and night three, the first coming of Christ and the second, that the weary world rejoices. No, our weary souls can rejoice every night and every day, all night and day, every day in between those two nights too, even on the worst days of our lives. How? Well, if we go back to night one, night number one, out on that hill with the shepherds and the stars and the multitudes of the heavenly host, and we listen to the angel, we listen to what he says. In particular, when he says in Luke 2, verse 11, For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. There are three names or titles here used to describe Jesus. Do you see him? One, he's Savior. He didn't just come to be a good example for us. He came to save us. Saviors save. That's what Jesus came to do. Not simply to show us a good path on how to be good neighbors, though he did that. He came to save us. To save us from sin. To save us from error. To save us from ourselves. And from Satan and death. How did he do that? By dying on the cross, in our place, for our sins. Taking on the punishment that was owed to us. And rising again. Two, he's the Christ. The promised Messiah, the the long-expected one. Messiah means anointed one, or more specifically, the anointed one. A great and perfect high priest and a great and perfect king. The perfect king-priest who is both sovereign and sympathetic. Ruling and loving. Which means he didn't just come to save you. He came to rule in love. And three, he's Lord. He's Savior, Christ, Lord. He's God himself. He has authority, all authority, in fact, in heaven and on earth over everything, including your life. Including everything about your life, even the stuff that makes you groan. He's Lord of all. This is the Jesus that came into the world on night number one. This is the Jesus who came for us. It's the same Jesus who is with us now and he will be with us until the end of the age. He promised. 
And this same Jesus, this is the same Jesus who will one day return for us, hand-delivering our invites to the marriage supper of the Lamb, night number three. This is the same Jesus who says in John 15 that he came and lived and spoke to us so that his joy would be in us and that our joy would be full. And listen, if the joy of the Savior, the Christ, the Lord himself is in us, though we be weary, though we groan, we can rejoice. Now there's one more name or title for Jesus that I want to mention tonight, and it's not in the text. It's not traditionally a Christmas time name that we think of for Jesus, but it's absolutely relevant to our conversation about joy, and it's this, rock Rock. The psalmist addressed God this way at least 20 times explicitly. My rock. My mighty rock. Over and over and over again. And I love the imagery of a rock because a rock is something solid, isn't it? Immovable. Unshakable. Indestructible. Unchanging. Long-lasting. It's something we stand on, isn't it? Listen, put a few of these ingredients together tonight. It makes for a delicious Christmas feast. Jesus has come. He's come. He comes into the weary world. He's he's the Savior. He's Christ. He's the Lord. And His joy is in us. Our joy is in Him. He's also our rock. Our mighty rock upon which... We stand, and our joy is in him, remember? Which means our joy doesn't just come alongside our weariness and our groaning in this life. It's underneath it, in Christ. Underneath any and all groaning in your life is the Savior, the Christ, the Lord, the one who will never leave you or forsake you. Which means the weary world did rejoice, night one. The weary world will one day rejoice, night three. But also, the weary world now, including you and me, can rejoice right now if we belong to Jesus. He's the Savior. He came for you. You're forgiven. He's the Christ. He didn't go back on his promise. He showed up. He came for you. He rules over you and loves you. He's the Lord. God himself. He's in control of everything. You're safe. And he's your rock. And so even when the world feels like a 9.0 earthquake, you're on solid ground. You have his joy in you and under you. Though we have innumerable reasons to groan, church, we have every reason in Christ to rejoice. Let's pray. Father, as we live our lives under the sun in between your comings, we look back and we rejoice. We put 
Christmas lights on our houses. We chop down trees and put them in our living rooms. I mean, we do some crazy stuff in the name of rejoicing that you sent your son Jesus here for us. And we also look forward. Look forward to his return, his coming again as we reflect upon the marriage supper of the Lamb and sitting there with Jesus, we rejoice knowing that one day you're going to return and every tear is going to be wiped away and every pain is going to be removed and every scar that we have is going to be healed. And we rejoice. But then also in the right here, in the right now, because we have Jesus, because he is in us and under us and all around us and he's never going to leave us or forsake us and he will be with us until the end of the age. Though we groan, we rejoice. And so Spirit of the living God, would you fill us with hearts tonight that rejoice in Jesus. We pray in his name. Amen. Thank you for listening to this audio from Two Pillars Church. Feel free to share this audio with others, but please do not alter or edit the content in any way. For more information about Two Pillars Church, please visit www.twopillarschurch.com.